Well, good morning, Sister Joanna. Good morning, Sister Iris. Well, I am so glad to see you here at the window. And um, we have a very unique show today because we're going to talk about where we have been in terms of our church worship over the last year and a half. And that is either on our phones or on our computers. And who would have ever thought that two little girls who sat on a really, really hard pew in a church for hours and hours and hours years ago with their parents and a bunch of other families would just get up in the morning and get a cup of coffee and tune in on their phone to hear the word. And how did that work for us and other people? So now as we kind of look out the window and see some things changing with church attendance, um, we're going to get some experts to talk to us about the church service and, and where we are um, and where we're going with worship. Um, so that's where we're going to start today at the window. Well, I am probably unlike most people who have been out in the home congregation with their loved ones or else who are anxious to get back to face-to-face -face live church. I am anxious to do that as well, but um, I actually haven't disliked being at home. And yes, I definitely remember, how could you forget, because that was the foundation of our childhood. All day Sunday was church day. Mm -hmm. And uh, I did sit on those hard pews, and I sat on those hard pews with itchy dresses mm -hmm. that made me crazy. And, and maybe that's one of the reasons I'm not in a hurry to go back because I, I have one comfy sweats now instead mm -hmm. of itchy dresses. But I can remember my parents met at the church. They both sang in the choir. They both had beautiful voices. And so whenever they would sing solos and whenever they would sing duets, all the kids in the church, and there were a lot of kids and teenagers in the back church in back the then, mm -hmm. would, would, would turn around and, and, and look at us and, and, and laugh at us, which I thought was a bad thing. I didn't realize back then that that was just part of their way of saying that my, my parents were pretty cool. Mm -hmm. So I would leave the church and I would go down the street to Sandy's restaurant that some folks in Columbus, Ohio might mention. And that's where we would hang out and uh, until such time as we got caught and hauled back in for the rest of Sunday services. So I do remember that and I have fond memories of that. But I get the same sense at home of just being part of a congregation and I know other people didn't feel that. Right? I didn't feel that. I did not like the isolation because it was sometimes in church sitting there thinking and listening to Dr. Wise that my mind would drift off in the, into a dilemma maybe that I was having and I would get the inspiration maybe from a word or something or maybe I would see someone that would spark a different direction in my problem solving so it was it was not only a time of worship for me it, it was a time of introspection comparing where I am right now where I know I'm in the right place two might have been drawn to do or have to do. So I kind of missed that physical uh, presence and just even the anticipation of getting there, I would, I would get pumped up for. But you know, now we're in a different, different scenario and we have experts here to talk about the church 
And is the church an inside thing or is it an outside thing? That's kind of up for grabs right now. I see people jumping out there without the masks on and, and they're doing it in every other situation. So we're going to have two experts here talk about the church and opening the doors physically again. That's a very timely topic because when I look out my window, I see springtime. Mm -hmm. And to me, springtime is a season of, of resurrection because my favorite holiday is Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. And I left the church for a while. I consciously, and as a young adult, left the church because I was going through some things that I just didn't feel like the church could address. And so I wandered back into the church where I grew up when things just got so bad that that's what we do when, when, when life takes a turn. We go, okay, I may as well go to church today and see what happens. A very wise pastor said that that Sunday, even though it was not the resurrection season. He said, after every good Friday, there's always a resurrection Sunday. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly where I was in my life. I, I was going through a good Friday in my life. Mm -hmm. And so that gave me some joy knowing that there would be a resurrection. So that wise pastor really was wise. He was Reverend mm -hmm. C. Dr. Wise, who is the pastor of myself, Dr. Joanna Williamson, and my window co-host Dr. Iris Cooper. We are so glad he's joining us today by phone along with Pastor Mike Reeves who is in studio with us because this is his studio 1580thepraise.com. It's ours. <laughs> so first let us welcome Pastor Wise. Praise Lord ladies. I uh, am so happy to be here. So happy to know you as friends and members and I congratulate Pastor Reeves for having you on the air and for continuing this ministry oh that's right pastor dr wise you were a rapping reverend for a long time weren't you yeah that's back in the day that's back a whole in the life. day that's a whole nother <laughs> whole nother show well we respect you then and we respect you now so thank you for joining us dr wise now pastor Reese, if, if i'm if i'm not mistaken your church corinthian you're coming back to face-to-face -face services for the Easter weekend, is that correct? Yeah, we're starting um, Resurrection Sunday morning, 8 a.m. and 10. However, we are following the um, CDC guidelines that we're not going to have, uh, like, it, it won't be, like, packed because we have a certain number that we can have. And so you have to make a reservation let our secretaries know how many people are coming with you, which service you want to come to. So we had, we decided to split up the services, but we still have to do uh, the six feet, uh, the temperatures at the door. We have a, a sanitize, sanitizing your hand station when you come in, mask. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited about, about it. You know, I don't know how Dr. Wise feels, but um, I can remember last year, the first Sunday that um, we did virtual you know at the end of my sermon i'm like in high gear and i said can i get a witness <laughs> wasn't no witnesses in the place man there, there was no witnesses in the place and my wife said who are you talking <laughs> you had witnesses you just couldn't see i couldn't see him i couldn't see him you know but uh, that's what we, we're planning to do on resurrection sunday and um, I believe that, to go back to Dr. Iris's first point, is that I believe that the church is inside and outside. And what, what this has done for me, it's, it's, it's given me a parochial um, 
epiphany because while we were worshiping outside, we had people driving up. We had people coming on bicycles. We had folks sitting out on the porch because we had live music. We had everything, you know. And um, it, it gave me um, like, hey, you know what? We've been missing it. We've been inside. Everybody's not going to come to church and not come inside, okay? And so we decided that we would do it, do outside worship. And it was some of our greatest worship services have been outside. And as we move into this year, uh, we're planning to do more services outside. In your parking lot? In the parking lot. Wow. And not only that, we even had a movie night um, I guess it was in September. I, I, I think it was September, something like that. And we had a big, big screen, and we had the speakers and all that stuff. And we had drive-in. I mean, we did everything that we knew possible that we could bring people together and yet keep them safe. And that's even with, when we go back to in-person worship. I want to make sure that we keep people safe. And Dr. Wise, Faith Ministries Church is physically located at on Agler Road, 2747 Agler Road, I just happen to know, but that's not where we've been either for the past year, right? No, we've been online virtually since, uh, I think, the second Sunday in March, and um, it's been a it's been a church-by-church church decision because we've seen in the country everything from everybody there to a little bit there to nobody there, mm -hmm. but I hear what Iris is saying, and of course, there's nothing like being there face-to-face, eyeball-to-eyeball, you know, shouting-to-shouting and all of that. When you ask for a witness, you really do get one. It's nothing like that. But uh, like Pastor Reeves, my, my main concern is the safety of the people, and besides that, is to be able to worship as close as possible <laughs> To worship. If we're coming back to church, I want to come back to church. I don't. I don't want to have to come through the door and have to go through the temperature, and I don't want my ushers having to fight somebody and beat them up because they don't have a mask. <laughs> so, so all of those things. I know my ushers will fight them too, but I'm not talking about security. I'm talking about the ushers. I hear you. The women. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so so, and then you know you sitting apart, and then they got to fight over. Well, is this with your family? Are you just this lady is breathing on me? I'm like, okay, this it's just a lot. It's a lot. So um, I'm just looking at that, not only safety, but the practicality of how how soon can we come back and be as close to normal as possible. And what we've been able to do in the meantime is um, because of our media ministry, because of Salon and others, we were already on the Internet. So we didn't have to get on it. We were already on it. What we had to do, though, is expand it. And that's what we've been able to do. We've been using on Sundays what we call the, the lobby to bring members into uh, the uh, online experience where we could talk to them. They could see, be seen by others and so forth. So we've done a little thing to try to make it a little more personal. But there's nothing like being in church. And uh, what, what's on my heart is when we do go to church, I want it to feel like church, not feel like, you know, I'm in some kind of environment. Do you think that, and this is for either one of you, do you think that the church that we will return to is the one we left? I would say no. Absolutely not. 
I would say no. What you say that for, Pastor Reeves? Because people are going to be afraid to to come. You know, we talk about I love the Lord. He heard my cry. But as Doc said, you know, so and so breathed on me. You know, do you think she does she have COVID or so and so rubbed up against me and you know and I and I think that the scaredness um, and people being afraid for the first time, first several times going out, that it's going to be a little different, you know. And like Doc said, you know, I don't want, I don't like um, going through, uh, and I have to go to the courthouse and I got to go through that uh, metal detector, metal detector mm-hmm. and take everything out of your pockets. Mm-hmm. I'm like, wait a minute, and it's almost like that's what church has has become, where you got to get your temperature taken, you got to have masks, et cetera, et cetera. And um, so I think it's going to take a, a while before we get back to what, to even to the new normal. You know, I think that there will be a new normal when we come back to church. So is the goal, and I'll ask Dr. Wise this, is the goal to get everybody back into church eventually, or are we reconciled to the fact that some folks may never come back? Well, I'm reconciled to the fact that some may never come back. And I and I'm I'm okay with that, and that's why we're preparing as much as possible through our faith online community to literally create a church online, so that every they'll be able to do everything except touch you um, online. And uh, there are people who are like that. Unfortunately, our whole society is moving toward uh, one-on-one interactions and the other one is not a person it's a it's a device Mm -hmm. so in all of our lives you know the other person or the other entity that we interact with is a telephone is a laptop is a computer and we do that with shopping we do that with videos we do that with virtually everything in our lives and so now because of this pandemic the church has been dragged into that to that reality and so now that we're there, we ought to take advantage of it. But, of course, we'll never replace the in-person church, but we're not going to stop the others. And I think what that will do is I remember that uh, when I see people join the church sometimes, uh, when I was at, uh, at Shiloh, you know, they had that big, large balcony. I would see people come in and that, as visitors, as guests, they would come in and sit almost in the last row in the balcony. And then as they began to join, as they began to come more and more, they would move up in the balcony. Next thing you know, they're on the floor in the back room, in the back of the room. Next thing you know, they're halfway down the aisle. And what I saw is I saw a progression of people coming closer and closer to the altar as they became more comfortable with the church. And so what the online uh, platform is going to be, for some people, that would be where they are forever. But for others, that's going to be a portal that allows them to connect with the church, and then they come from there, from the online, to the back row in the church, and then they move up in that way. So it's it's a door. It's an opportunity uh, for the church to reach out to other people, and I see no no stopping it now. There's no way that we can stop that going forward. Let me, let me interject, too, Doc. Um, Everybody that comes to church on Sunday morning, they don't go to Sunday school. They don't come to Bible study. Since we've been virtual, 
my biggest night on Wednesday is 40 people. That's a great night. If I have 40 people in Bible study on Wednesday night, that is off the chain, okay? Since we've been doing virtual Bible study, we have like seven to a thousand people online. So the question becomes, am I more concerned about how many people I have in the building or how many people can I actually reach with the gospel? The word says that we had to preach the gospel to all the world. And so through the modern technology of media, streaming, internet, we have an opportunity to, to really reach the world. And Jesus said that when this gospel has been preached into all the world, then shall the end come. And I probably sound pretty preachy when I say this. I believe that we're in a time where he's soon to come. I, I just, that's in my spirit. And uh, if I'm wrong, don't tell me. But um, I just believe that we're in a time where, that we've never seen before. We've never seen COVID uh, that shut the world down. I mean, we've seen some diseases that may have shut a city or something. This thing shut the world down. Um, when basketball players can't play basketball, football players can't put, play football, um, high school students can't play sports, it's crazy. So for me, I don't think I will ever stop the virtual, but I'll also include in-person worship. I, I, for one, I kind of felt sorry for you and Dr. Wise during this period. Um, as leaders of this community with with the playbook you'd never had before um, I wondered how it was and how lonely you all felt trying to figure out okay Lord what what am I supposed to do today we were all watching you as as fans to see what what's gonna happen now so you had I don't know if you felt it but you had a lot of people expecting your next move and we're still expecting your next move. We don't really know as a congregation of believers what's around the corner. And, and, and so I think that many of your um, followers are going to be watching you, not because of Kirk Franklin and his son, but because of your stature here in the community. Where are we going? I think, and Doc, you can chime in here anytime you want to. I, I really believe that the church is in a good place um, because it's, it's, the church has always thrived during moments of challenge. Um, when I think about the folk who love our church enough to support it, even though they can't be there, you know, I'm like, I've seen names that I've never seen before that say, hey, you know what? We got to keep this thing going. And... Um, so I, I really believe that the church is in a good place. And, you know, again, he says, upon this rock I build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He never said hell wouldn't break out in it, but he said it would never prevail. It would never be successful, you know. Doc? So, you know what I think, Pastor, is you say the church is in a good place. I say that the church is potentially in a good place. Okay, I hear the you. Church is the church is at a crossroads where it can really go either way. Mm -hmm. I was thinking yesterday um, about coming on here, and I was thinking about what this pandemic has done to the church. I'm sure 
everybody on the line right now will remember this. Back in the day when you had a bicycle, if you had a flat tire, what you had to do is you had to take take the tire off the rim, and there was an inner tube inside the tire. And in order to find the hole to fix it, you'd have to put that tire, put the inner tube underneath water in a tub or bucket and squeeze it. And when you squeezed it or squeezed it or whatever the past tense of squeeze is, squeeze it did, (laughs) when you squeezed it, um, wherever the hole was, air would come out. Mm -hmm. That's how you found out where the hole was. You put it underwater, under pressure, and the air would come out of the holes. And what this pandemic has done is it has put the church underwater, under pressure, and now now we know where the holes are. If we didn't know before, we know where they are. We know in terms of our our stewardship, in terms of our attendance, in terms of our loyalty, in terms of our ministries. We know how strong we are right now based on what we have been through. So it gives us something to work on. It gives us something to focus on. But when we come back, the experience of church is going to be different because now we're going to have to offer the live church as if we know there are people who are not in the room, but they're in the room. So, so it's not just that we are, we are ministering to the people we're looking at, but we're ministering with those people and the larger audience that's online. So that means things have to look different. That means you have to think now in terms of, of the camera angle. You have to think in terms of the lighting. You have to think in terms of you know what the background looks like. Some things that you would not have to think about if you're just dealing with the people in the room, you now have to think about it as a larger or that's just a practical thing. Also, when you when you just speak, you speak not only to the people you're looking at, you speak to the people who are looking at you. It, it's a lot of little nuances that will have to change, but ultimately there will be nothing different than just people getting together, worshiping and praising the Lord. And I hope that sooner than later, but when it does happen, I want it to be I want it to be where people are free. So if somebody's shouting in their mask, come off, I don't want everybody. <laughs> I don't Run want out the church. Spray them down with Lysol. <laughs> Anoint I them with Lysol. <laughs> That's a good idea. That's a good idea, Joanna. Have, have somebody at the That's end right. of every, la- every row with a can of Lysol. <laughs> right, right, right. Have bleach in the communion cups, okay? <laughs> no, please don't do Don't drink the bleach. No. <laughs> So, so let's talk about this whole issue of um, the church going forward in a deeper sense in, in terms of not just whether it's going to be virtual or hybrid, but rather the role of the church in general. So building on what Pastor Reeves said about whether the end days are near, which of course we won't know until it happens, I would assume that's scripturally correct. But there are folks who believe that the, the last year was about more than just whether we worship at home or whether we worshiped in the sanctuary based on the role of the church. We had a pandemic. We had a disease. We had, um, we had civil rights issues that the church used to be at the forefront of. We had um, a political administration that was fueled by evangelical Christians who believed that as long as the, the platform included um, no abortions, no same-sex marriage, that everything else was 
okay, that we could have uh, folks in high places who thought it was okay to, to uh, be misogynistic and racist and that type of thing. And so for, for people who have that view that this is a time where the church has to, I don't know, put up or shut up in terms of, of really getting into the fabric of this society, what are your thoughts about that? Where is the church now as it relates to all that? Doc, you go first. I think you're right about that. And I think uh, here again, we're at a crossroads because the current generation, the millennials, they're not having it. I mean, I mean, they could take the church or leave it. <laughs> and many mm-hmm. of them have left it. Mm-hmm. Many of them, this is one of the few generations that has grown up where their parents didn't go to church. Mm-hmm. So now, all of us here who are talking, you know, we, we had to go to church whether we wanted to or not because we were made to go to church mm-hmm. and made to behave in church. Mm-hmm. But we have a, a generation now of children, of young adults, whose parents never went to church. So they don't have that background. They don't have that experience. And the church going to have to prove something to them to get them in it. And so our youth, our young adults, they, they are a major, major um, area that all of us need to work on, and part of drawing them into the church will be the degree to which we are active and engaged in many of the issues that are happening in our society today, because many of them care more, more about the environment than they care about quote, the church, or they care more about diversity than they care about the church, or they care more about, you know, um, animals or something like that. I mean, they, they have serious values, but it, it's a back end into God. It's not a direct path, if you understand what I'm saying. They, they care more about preserving nature. Well, God made nature, but they don't see that necessarily as a religious type of thing. And uh, you don't have church, quote-unquote, with a preacher. So we've, we've got to figure this thing out. And uh, if we don't, they're going to move on without us. Because one of the things that I noticed, uh, on this George Floyd situation uh, back in the in the summer, is this was a mighty, mighty, major and powerful movement that was led by people I never knew or heard of. Mm-hmm. Not to mention, not preachers and, and pastors. I mean, like, I mean, like, what happened? Who's in charge of this? It was not the church, and yet it was major, and yet it was powerful. And so we were kind of bringing up the rear on that. And that's got to change if we're going to have a future. You know, Doc, I, I, I agree with you 100%. And, um, you know, what I'm about to say probably will not be popular, um, but that's what it is. I think that as I see the church and I look at the template of the early church, many are as far away from that template as the sun is from the earth. And we have sent, I think, the wrong message to the world in many instances, starting with televangelists. Uh, We have a Hollywood approach um, to everything. Um, I've got a security team. I got armor bearers. I got, you know, and I don't, Jesus had 12 disciples, but um, I didn't see them as his armor bearers. In fact, he had to kind of protect them most of the time. But the church has, some of the stuff that we're going through right now, the church has brought on itself. 
during the civil rights movement, during Jim Crow, and during those racial moments, the church was always, it was always out front. Mm -hmm. It was out front. And I tell folk all the time, man, that if I was not a preacher, I would have to support the church because of what she did for us as a people. We couldn't be buried in white cemeteries. The church buried us. Mm. When we couldn't go to white schools, the church educated us. Um, doctors who couldn't practice in hospitals made house calls and came to your house. So when you look at what the church has done, perfect, no. Not perfect because there's no perfect people. Um, but I think that, that we have changed the emphasis on what church is all about. Um, we want to be middle of the road. We don't want to take issues. Um, you know, even, even homosexuality. I think that the church has been very hypocritical. Very hypocritical. Homosexuality didn't start last week. Um, in our tradition... Many of choir directors, choir people, um, songs that we shouted off of, either is wrong or is right. And so I think that, that we, the modern church, I think we want to be so related, related um, and so close that we are missing what we are supposed to be. Denise Williams had a song that says, uh, if the church is the light of the world, then why is the world so dark? We got churches <laughs> on every street corner. Okay? And so, you know, one of the things that, that I have, I had to come to grips with as a pastor, and, you know, I wish I had it 40 years ago. I wish I had gotten it 40 years ago. Um, we have to be out there we got to go where, where we're afraid to go. Um, Jeremiah Wright makes a statement about a situation with his daughter who was attacked by a gang member, come to find out that the gang member lived next door. And so he goes next door like a dad and wants to check on his daughter and why this dude is messing with his daughter. So they ended up talking, and the gang member said, Rev, part of the problem is the church talks about us, but they don't talk to us. Mm. And that's a problem. That's a problem. So in order for the church to be what Acts 2, the template that Acts 2 talks about, it, it's more than just being inside the sanctuary. That was my epiphany. I'm, I'm, I apologize for having to say that. That was my epiphany, that being outside where people can see us get our shout on, where we can pass out food, where we can do this, in fact, July 17th, we're, we're planning Christmas in July. Mm. And um, we plan to give away toys, school supplies, um, food, the whole nine for the community, not for the church, for the community that we, that we reside in. And, um, you know, I think that's, those are the kind of things that we have to do. We got another group that's going out, um, I think it's next weekend, where they're going to the homeless and they take baggies. They got uh, hoodies and blankets and stuff, you know? Um, and I think that's where the church, and, and certainly Faith Ministries, I believe with my whole heart, one of the finest churches this side of heaven. Amen. Y'all got one of the greatest pastors in the world. Mm -hmm. And I don't say it just because he's on the other end of the phone, but he is one of the greatest. 
progressive, thinks, and that's where the church is going to be. And that's why y'all so successful. So it sounds like we're talking about good old-fashioned competition. That no, and that's what we shouldn't messages? be. But we shouldn't compete. I'm sorry, not churches. Oh, okay. They're competing against each other, but churches competing against all the other messages and distractions out there. So yeah. we go back to families. If Sunday is the family day to go to the soccer tournament, which was unheard of in our day, how do we compete with that? How do we, as the body of Christ, say? We bring don't your have a leader. Church? Sorry, we don't have. We don't got Martin Luther King. What? The Irish. That's me. Where well, yeah. Well, see, Martin Luther King, a concerted effort was made that such a person would never arise again. Mm-hmm. And you can see that after. So, I mean, Say that again. After, Say that again. I said after Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., the powers that be, and we could spend forever figuring out who they are, the powers that be made it a concerted effort to make sure that a single black leader would never rise again who had the authority, who had the influence to be able to do what Luther King Jr. did. And now, since we do not have, quote-unquote, one, that is not because we don't have people of that caliber. That is because certain things have been done to make it impossible or, or very difficult for any one person to rise. And that's why... If I ask you who's the leader of the Black Lives Matter, most people don't even know who that is. Because if, if, if something is to be successful these days, persons who take the leadership in one way or another become uh, discredited, decapitated, or worse. And so we, we have a lot of things that are, that are working against us that while on the one hand it's idyllic to talk about you know what we were a long time ago, uh, things have changed. They've also changed in that uh, when segregation uh, existed, the church had a monopoly. Going back to your word, uh, competition, Joanna, the church had a monopoly. There was no other place to go. I mean, you know, you either go to the club or you go to the church. And if you ain't a club person, I guess you're going to church. Uh, but now there's so many other places to go, so many other things to do on a Sunday morning. There's so much, uh, so many other schools you can go to besides the church school. So many other songs you can sing besides it. It's just so much that the church used to have influence over because there was no other choice. And because of the success of the church, because of the success of the church pushing for equality and pushing for uh, openness, now the people have taken advantage of that openness and left the organization that created that for them. So we're fighting with this secularization, we're fighting with materialism, we're fighting with um, with all these other kinds of values in society, and then we're fighting with ourselves in terms of trying to figure out who we are and what we are. And in the midst of all of that, we're still trying to have church every Sunday. Still trying to have church every Sunday, and part of the competition, if you will, when you talk about the societal shift, and those are critical historical facts, and I'm not even sure if our young people know, we see a shift to the so-called white church. So so Sunday mornings probably still are the most segregated hour um, in the America, as has been said in the past, but um, the, the black church, how does the so-called black church feel about the number of black families and black individuals who are now um, intermingling themselves within uh, 
um, predominantly white congregations. One of them. Go ahead, Doc. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I'm, I'm not mad because they're in church. Uh, I just am mad that many of them are there because it's more convenient. Um, you know, and I've had that said to me many times. Doc, you know, I like I like the church. I like to hear you preach. But you know what? I go to this other church. And we we in at 10 o'clock and out at 1059. You know, I go to faith ministries. Y'all be up there singing and sweating. But, you know, I mean, you know, you're my man, but I get some. So they have, they have these kinds of, those are the reasons. It's not theology. It's not community. It's not fellowship. It's convenience. And um, and that is so that is so so much a pressure that we have to consider that as the black church and and ask the question: Is there even such a thing as a black church anymore? I mean, we, we have these segregations, and of course, people go to black churches um, in mass. But what is going to happen as the quote unquote black church when we have all these pressures of black people as they? rise in the uh, socio-economic ladder and they take on the lifestyle and the habits and the values of those persons who were there before they got there but what happens to the church which helped them get there in the first place does it have to change to become like them or does it amp up its game and keep people or draw people it's a it's a big issue it's a big issue you know one of the things doc that i think is uh, and i'm glad that dr joanna brought that up now that's really a pet peeve of mine. It is is a pet peeve. I'm not jealous. I'm not envious. You know, what God has for me is for me. Um, the number of folk that he's put in our church, the people who he has put in my life, I, that's what he wanted to do, I'm fine. My concern is that I don't understand how black folks, with all of the nonsense that ev- white evangelicals, have been purporting. Um, and one basic thing, even when you look at some of them, look at the Klan, look at uh, white supremacists who use the Bible as a means for what it does. Since mm-hmm. slavery. Okay? And and, and, and I, I tell people, if you haven't seen that documentary, The Black Church, watch it. It is one of the greatest documentaries I've ever seen. But the other piece is that there's one scripture in the Bible for me that kind of sums it up. And if we're who we say we are, maybe they're not reading the same Bible that black people read. And John 13, 35 says, men will know that you're my disciples by the love we have one to another. If I love you, how can I burn a cross in your yard? If I love you, how can I attack your church? If I love you, how can, you know, how can I do all these crazy things? And I call myself a Christian, and yet many African-Americans will go to a white church one, because, oh, I go this place, so that elevates, you know, my, my stock a little bit. And um, so for me, I look at, at history and facts. Black people will go to white churches in mass. White people will not go to church with black folks in mass. White pastors can pastor a black church. A black pastor, the number who pastor white churches is rare. I rest my case. So the struggle well, is you real. Know, the funny thing about it is 
that the main thing that I think that is going to sustain, quote unquote, the black church, and I think we're heading toward the point where the black church as such is going to be limited because we're we're opening up in diversity everywhere in churches, and that's a good thing. But we have people who have risen in the risen along the economic. Uh, we have people who've risen the economic ladder who may happen to be black. And when they get up there, they miss community. So they live in a, a neighborhood where they're the only black. They work in a company where they're the only black. They shop in a store where they're the only black. And the only place they can find black people is at a black church. <laughs> and so to show their children what community is, what the black community is, to feel that themselves, they come literally come home to a black church. And I, I think that many of the people who, who are members of our church, the where they work, you know, Monday through Friday, it's not a black environment, but it's exciting. It's exciting to come back and walk through a door and see people who look like you and see people who aren't, uh, who aren't uh, discriminated discriminatory against you because of the color of your skin. So so if people who have benefited from the uh, the strides of civil rights find themselves isolated in their work, isolated in their neighborhoods, isolated in their communities, they're going to find a necessity or find a, a, a place where they can find their people, quote unquote, and that's going to be the black church for a minute. Well, I have a question to you, to you men of God. How did this, how did the church digest these murders from the police of black <clears throat> youth, like Casey, right here in Columbus, all over, just walking down the street, just get shot, and where? was the, I guess, the Martin Luther King spirit when all those things were happening? I, I, I can't speak for Dr. Wise, but um, we have, I'm a part of an organization, a group of pastors, um, non-denominational, white, black, Jewish, that we have spoken out, we've done press conferences about it. Um, and for me, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. Um, part of my job is to be priest, where I bring the people to God, prophet, to let my folk know when there's danger. And um, as a prophet, I think we have a mandate as pastors to stand up and speak the truth and not be afraid to speak truth to power. Um, I've lived in Columbus all of my life. I've watched it go from the country town where we used to have the markets downtown to where we are today. And police brutality didn't start last week. Uh, police killing black folks didn't start last week, but it's been going on for a very long time. And um, I will continue to fight the fight uh, for our people. And um, I remind my church that we have to do more than just you know, complain but we need to be at city council meetings. We need to be at board of education meetings. Um, 
we need to go be wherever they're making rules about us. We need to be there. And I think that there has been a falling away um, where we used to go. And this was before COVID-19, where we used to go to city council meeting on a regular basis. We were at the Board of Education meetings on a regular basis. Um, but now it's like we've become at ease in Zion and stuff is happening all around us. And this is not the time for the church. I'm a firm believer. The church is the answer for where we are today. Uh, if, we, if we just stand up and be the church, we are a sleeping giant. You know, um, in Georgia, church folk got together and worked, worked, worked to make sure that they, that um, Senator Marnock, what's his name? Um, Warnock. 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 Mm-hmm. Abrams. Got, got elect, elected. Um, um, what's the young lady? Stacey Abrams. Stacey Abrams. Abrams. Mm-hmm. You know, she came very close. But again, politics and crookedness. So you're using the term we, and I like that term we. So, Dr. I, we're putting a, a lot of pressure and they're handling it so well as they always mm-hmm. do on our two guest pastors, but, but the church is really a body of people. If you go back to the Martin Luther King model, I remember learning that when, when they would travel the country, that they would stay at the homes of folks because they couldn't stay at hotels and people would cook for them and, and bed them down. So I'm wondering what the obligation is of us as church members as well. I can remember a conversation I had with someone the, the Christmas before the pandemic and, and, and she's, um, she's um, quite a, a person in her church and I was talking about people who were depressed around the holidays and she said, I don't know anybody who's depressed around the holidays. And I said, you, ha- you have a whole church full of people depressed around the holidays. And I remember we talked about growing up, my parents' home was always a home that was open yep. during the holidays for whosoever will let them come and so I, I just asked are you inviting anybody over for the holidays mm-hmm. well no that's our family time so 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 what is your message as we begin to wrap up what is your message to your congregations we, we put a, a, a mighty mission on your shoulders what would you say to us one of the things that I that I I enjoy I came from a big family there was nine of us and when my wife came to our house for the very first time we were dating and the grandkids were there and my mother decorated everything. She would decorate you if you came. She just <laughs> decorated everything. And it was so much noise. And my wife stood in the in the uh, uh, foyer, and she says, "Oh, I love it. It's so much noise." And she was the only chi- only child. But the thing is that, like you said, our house we had people who were not relatives at Christmas time. Um, I was raised Seventh Day Adventist. Every Sabbath that we go home to eat. There was, she was always bringing somebody from church, a new visitor, somebody there. Um, the mindset today, I don't want them to come to my house. They don't even know what I, they don't even know where I live. I, and I ain't, no, I ain't letting them know. It, it's the mindset, and we've got to continue to let folk know, man, we're fellowship. We are a fellowship. Acts 2 says, and they went from house to house, breaking bread, and they had fellowship one with another. And because the people saw favor with them, the word says that the Lord added daily to the church such as should be saved. We got work to do. It's not just inside the four walls or I just go to church. I'm done, Doc. 
Well, thank you. All, all well. <laughs> but you know, that's why if I could, that's why some people have left the church or they say they've left the church, not because of what's happening on the pulpit necessarily, but what's happening in the congregation. So for, for me, the catch 22, when I was communing at home during certain seasons of my life was that I was away from the, whatever confusion there was in the church. Cause these are human beings. All of us are human beings to get more active in the church i began to join things but then you're subjected again to human beings being human beings and 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 that's not always pretty edwin lewis cole says an empty barn always stays clean say that again edwin lewis cole an empty barn always stays clean yeah 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 let me go back to what uh, iris was talking about is how does the church digest all of these killings we don't digest it. It causes us to throw up. We cannot mm. swallow it. But one thing I want you to notice is that there are different ways to fight. There are different ways to protest. There are different ways to um, confront a system and situations. And I have seen, going back again, tying in Iris's question with Joanna's question as to what the members should do. When I stand in the pulpit or in my living room or where I am on a Sunday morning, I'm not just talking to myself. I'm talking to people who are in positions of power throughout the community and throughout the world. When they leave Faith Ministries Church, some will go back and preside over a $100 million budget. Some will go back and not just be at the school board, but be on the school board. Some will go back and not just be police officers, but oversee police and fire. So what I'm saying is that the church, for me, in many ways, and of course I've, you know, I've been out there, I've protested all of that all my life, been doing it for a long time. But the church becomes a place where we charge, challenge, and empower the members to go back to their respective stations and spheres of influence and make change there. Some's going back to nationwide. Some's going back to the school. Some going back to the sanitation department. Some going back to wherever. And so sometimes you bring the people together at City Hall and protest. Other times you send people back to where they work, to where they have charge, to where they uh, are over budgets, to where they hire and employ people, and have them to, to implement those kinds of confrontational protest changes where they work as opposed to just on the street. I'm not just saying it's either or. I'm saying it's both and. And sometimes we assume that because we don't see somebody downtown with a sign that they're not working in a different way to, to make changes. So, uh, Dr. Wise, I hope you don't mind me mentioning this because you shared it with the whole congregation in a virtual environment, so everybody heard it. But at a recent service, someone sang Stand, and um, Pastor Wise shared with us that there was a, a time in the growth of our church where he was really concerned over the building that we were building, if, if I recall directly, Dr. Wise, and that that song ministered to you. So how do we minister to our pastors and to whoever our spiritual leaders are in our lives how do we do that to me it's just doing what you're supposed to do if you do what you're supposed to do i'm good okay how about something not so hard 
<laughs> you know, um, <laughs> I'm like I'm like Doc. You know, I think that if you do what you're supposed to do, that it takes a lot of pressure off of me. But one of the things that you know, misinformation um, to my members, it breaks my heart. You know, and that's why I struggle with anniversaries and all that kind of stuff because it's that past anniversary time. Well, he's gonna want some money. He wants some money. He wants some money. I would prefer do without the anniversary. Every now and then say, Pastor, hey, I'm praying for you. Um, I thought about you today, and I just want you to know I'm praying for you and your family, and you hang in there. To me, that's more than money. Money comes, money goes. And it's about relationships. I love the relationships that I have with the folk at my church. And they know I'm a people person. I love people. And I had another epiphany. Dr. Wise, I discovered I was a people, and that's why I fell in love with people. And, uh, <laughs> and um, you know, we laugh. Uh, we cut up together. But there's a, there's a, a place that there's a, a line of respect that they refuse to cross. We are having a men's fellowship. And I said, hey, today we don't have titles. I'm Mike. You Joe, not Deacon, you know. And so one of the brothers said, Pastor Reese, I can't do it. I, I can't call you Mike. I just can't do it. But for me, the relationships is how I think. That's how I'm encouraged. When I've been through a tough time, and I'm being very transparent, when I went through with my son, it was like a revival in my front yard because I had so many members at my church of my church that was there, and they were saying, Pastor, don't worry. We're with you. Man, I could have lost my church for less. And so I have a deeper appreciation for the people that I serve. They know I love them to life. I take a bullet for them. And um, the way I'm encouraged is just that, hey, encourage me every now and then. We still yeah, need. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Doctor. It go off. But, but let's go back to what, what Pastor Reeves said at the beginning. When he said, "Can I get a witness?" <laughs> and he didn't hear it. <laughs> That—that's all that we need. Is can we get a witness? A am I getting through? Am I making a difference? Something happened the other day. Um, one of our members died. A young member. She was in her thirties. She died. She had cancer for over a year. And um, her mother said that thirteen months before she died, she wrote a note. And the note began, in case I die. And when her mother saw that, her mother stopped reading. And she put that note in a Bible and never read it until two days after the lady died. And she pulled it out of her Bible in tears, and she read it, in case I die, this is what I want to happen. This, is, this one, take care of this. Uh, Faith Ministries is my church. I want to have my funeral at Faith Ministries Church and tell Pastor Wise, I said thanks for the guidance. Mm. That's okay. deep. That's wow. deep. And, and Iris mentioned Kirk Franklin That's earlier in fair. the session. Um, if, if Kirk Franklin's son, who recorded and posted a video of them having a verbal confrontation, if he thought that that was going to damage Kirk Franklin's image, I don't know. I think it may have done the opposite because you saw a pastor raw and live 
saying I'm a human being, maybe I shouldn't have said what I said, but I have a responsibility to my community and to my family, and sometimes a brother or a sister just got to do what we got to do. And I was just going to say that we still, as members of your churches, look up to you. And this community, Central Ohio, needs to come together, in my opinion, with the church's support and take on some of these ugly topics like killing young people as they're going in their grandma's house. We need but your I, support. We need your leadership. We did. Don't you remember we did all that do something thing and we got the church in them to do something. So, so, so we've been doing it. We just need to do more. And as you said, we need to do it together. So to our listeners, regardless of how you feel about the church, I don't think there's ever been a time when we've realized we need something that's bigger and greater than ourselves to get us through the seasons that we're in and the seasons yet to come. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much to our guests, Dr. C. Dexter Wise III of Faith Ministries Church and the overseer of Corinthian Missionary Baptist Church, Pastor Michael Reeves Sr. Thank you so much we for joining us here It's today been my pleasure. Thank for you. the window. Door of the window. Thank you.